Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I regret to report that both our Jedi Order and the Republic have fallen, with the dark shadow of the Empire rising to take their place. This message is a warning and a reminder for any surviving Jedi. Trust in the Force. They've outgrown their age of rebellion, dulled the Empire's edge, defeated Imperial generals and the Pirate Queen's dredge. They've been soldiers and scoundrels, what's there left to be? How about last life looking for their force and destiny? There's a seer, hermit, investigator, and teacher better watch your back or vibe or rings gonna reach you. Will this team find the light or will darkness win the day? Find out with the heroes of the Hadian way. Welcome to Heroes of the Hydean Way. This is a Star Wars actual play podcast and we're playing in Fantasy Flight Games Force and Destiny system using the Chronicles of the Gatekeeper adventure as developed by Tim Cox and Max Brook. This is Act 1, Question Episode 2. And I'm Ben, the GM for this adventure and shenanigans. <laughs> I'm Ren and this is the very last time you'll hear me talk first. So enjoy that or something. I'm Christine. And I guess I'm Leslie. I just want to point out that we always hear Ben first. Technically. Of the players. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Context clues, my friend. Willing ignorance. <laughs> and, and I'm Brandon, uh, playing the human millennial game designer. Millennial's the career, game designer's the spec. That's my joke. Oh, good golly. <laughs> so uh moving on from that joke. What my spec is now so this is our second part of our uh q a we still had a few more general player questions and the next set of them are all from rune larson via an email that we received uh just a couple of days ago uh thank you rune for these awesome questions they really made our day mm-hmm. so the first one is after playing for a while now how do you honestly feel the differences, if any, in Force and Destiny compare to earlier Age of Rebellion and Edge of the Empire, both as a GM and players? So basically, how do you how do we feel Force and Destiny is different from the other two uh, branches of this game? I, I've played Force and Destiny enough prior to this that this is kind of just still the the thing. But the two big ones are first the greater availability and utility of force abilities all games had ways to be force sensitive and had a few force powers but force and destiny really brings that stuff to the fore in a lot of ways and introduces a lot more talents that you have to be force sensitive to have that represent using the force but in a not quite a power way the other thing is that it's just less skill based sort of the fact that you drop one of your free points during character creation and that also the specs just kind of have a bit of a different overall layout for for career skills i think does have kind of a big effect on turning force and destiny a little bit away from blasters and stealing stuff or blasters and blowing stuff up. You can certainly still do those things. They're, just, they're, they're harder to come by. But now Viber rings, though. Yeah, it's a little easier to find melee, I think. It might not be, I don't know. I've, I've never done an actual audio. 
it, it is career wise. I think I feel like it is, or rather, I think I think it pops up more in career, where I think plenty of specializations have ranged light or heavy. I was sort of spaced about. Yeah, but even even in specs, like it can be kind of hard. I had trouble finding a spec to start with that would give me range light so that I could throw the vibro rings with like much ability because there just weren't as many of them as I was used to. And that's partially because, as you said, like melee is you more often get melee from the career. And so all the specs have it. All right. uh, Ren, what do you think? I just don't really have a very strong feeling for this question other than what we you know hit upon in the other one where i feel like in edge since i had the obligation thing i always had kind of like a a little bit of a melancholy thing in the background and this one's a little for me feels a little lighter on my i don't know mental capacity i guess i don't know wording i don't have a strong feeling on this. Leslie? What made you turn neutral? <laughs> Honestly, I'm same boat. I feel like while it seems like we've been playing this for a long time because we're on our first break, I still feel like we haven't really gotten to the meat of it yet. That makes it feel very <laughs> special. I mean, Brandon obviously pointed out some very specific mechanical things that I can see, but I think I'm still trying to figure out the whole force scene. So maybe I'm just, I'm not aware enough as a player to have viable input at this point. How do you feel from the GM perspective, Ben? For me, it all comes down to what you're going to bring to it. If you're going to run a light breezy thing, there can be almost no differentiation between it. Say you're wanting to run like a Clone Wars adventure where you're trying to go in the mode of either the Clone Wars TV show or the Samurai Jack style thing. You can do that with this system and it works well. The way that this adventure is makes me take a look at, makes me want to look at the hooks that are presented with this system that are out of morality, that are out of conflict, that are also out of the history that is there in the galaxy. This is 20 years into a fascist rule, and this is Mm -hmm. 20 years after a war that the losers were just ground under the boot. Like, the boot first landed on Separatist worlds and expanded from there. We're going from a tree, to <laughs> Kato Nemoidia. It was one of the Nemoidian purse worlds. A big one. I think this is even where Plo Koon dies. The things that you can examine in this of the long history of war and the occupation of a place the adventure asks a bunch of questions that the system allows you to really mull around. I can't really pull those two separate. The adventures for heroes have been pulled from stuff that allows you to examine what is there with these settings. 
Forza and Destiny, at least in the default setting, which is the Galactic Civil War, it's what's it like to be a Jedi around the time of Yavin? But somewhere between the Battle of Yavin with the explosion of the first Death Star and the assault on Hoth, where the rebellion's almost wiped out. How is it like to be there in this very tumultuous galaxy? To me, it's a very evocative time period. With the edge of the Empire, you're really looking at the underworld, the CD underworld of the galaxy. It's rebelling. It's a lot more stark black and white. It's essentially what lines are you not willing to cross to maintain that? Force and Destiny is how, how do you not just succumb to the pain and the suffering that is around you and let it permeate you? That's kind of the question that gets posed to my players. Some of them rise, some of them fall. And to me, it's in the setting, the intent behind that. It may not be there entirely mechanically. As I say, mechanically, you can run a bouncy Clone Wars campaign off of this system very easily. But where you've got moral clarity and all that fun stuff, where you're not even killing a lot of stuff on account of you're just destroying droids. And at least according to movie and TV sensors, that's just robots. So who cares? <sighs> so much, so much droid disrespect. And Okay, Brandon, you have the next question to ask. Do you discuss and align your expectations and plans for the character developments with each other between episodes, or is it pure improv along the way? I mean, this is still still Rune Larson, so quite a few of these. Yep. For my part, it's a mix as far as discussing. It's a lot of, we'll sometimes talk about things, and then a lot of it becomes improv for a while, and then at certain junctures, we either as a group or, or in just on our own between each other might talk about where we want to go from where we are, especially if we kind of are looking for a bit of a change from what has been in the improv. At least that's my opinion slash perception. Yeah. I mean, this season we haven't had to do, or at least I have not had to, you know, speak to anyone aside about where we were going with anything. Leslie, what do you think? I mean, I think, for the most part, I'm comfortable playing it as it goes, but we do sometimes independently kind of like you and I have, we've had a couple of conversations more about background things than things going on in current time. Like because we established that <laughs> Hillary and, and Cash had been traveling together for a little while. You and I had that conversation about. Hey, heck, we role played part of it. Yeah, we did. It was awesome. Um, we ended up in a diner because heroes. Yeah, <laughs> just got to be food involved. Apparently, what's their fire extinguishing system? There was no fire in the diner. Uh, it it was it was strange. I yeah, I'm I'm not. I quite mean, to sure be fair, that was about. We uh, had abruptly left the bar before the diner, but the diner was fine. Oh, uh, okay. That Nikto had it coming. Yeah, so I mean, there's conversation like that, but I, I don't think. There's planning or adjusting unless, you know, when Christine reached out to me after the whole Kesh is being a horrible person. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. After the, the Markov fight. But, you know, we do what we do. And then 
we're a pretty solid table. You know, we're <laughs> buds. So if we need to talk, we can talk. Yeah. I think. I, I think so. I mean, we, we've been doing that right now for, for a character bit. We just need to actually put more time into it. Are you any other thoughts on that one? Sounds like a no. All right, take it away, Ren. All right. When players sometimes briefly take over NPC roles, have they been instructed by Ben first about the NPC's goals and motives? And if so, how do you prepare for this? Just, I guess, to to take the, the first part of that. So when we played the, the NPCs for, well, both uh, friends like these back in the day, back in Series 1 and for the, the section in Series 3 here, uh, Ben provides us with you know, a name and some like a character description and maybe a few personality traits or a goal they're aiming for. Nothing too too elaborate, but sort of enough to to help us get grounded and give us an idea of where the you know where the character needs to go for for the story. Sometimes it's looser than that. See Matu's mom back also in series one. So then I. I then I'm curious for the second half of it. Um, how did each of us sort of prepare for doing, like, for portraying an NPC, especially alongside our PC for, um, for this act? Well, Ben gave me pretty. Oh, sorry, you were not done. Nope, go ahead. I was about to call on somebody, so you volunteering just save me from doing that. <laughs> there was a pause. So I thought. Well, well, Ben gave me pretty good notes about the motivation of Odir, and then in terms of preparation, I you know, sat in my car and practiced a voice for a good long while, which I didn't end up using because voices can be hard. But that's the prep I did. What about you, Brandon? I didn't do a lot of prep, which is kind of my MO. <laughs> Slacker. Well, you know, if I'm not, if I don't come into my uh, actual player characters with like a ton of stuff in my brain already, uh, you know. Ben gave some general guidelines as far as like how the character fit into the conflict that that existed what their goals and preferences were so that i assume we wouldn't just like all walk in there and have the npcs agree on the thing we wanted them to do and i kind of thought through and, and came to the session with how i thought i wanted those things to be present in the way the character acted so i, I had done that amount of prep as far as taking Ben's out-of-character plot notes and considering how that could shape the character as I played them. All right, Leslie, have you gone? No, I haven't, but I shall. (laughs) Um, I was running a character out of whole cloth, Ben? Yeah, that one got made up the session before, or at least named the session before. Okay. Because, yeah, Lina is out of whole cloth, but, yeah, showed up when they were doing the West Side Story thing. Mm-hmm. So I I basically picked, like, I, I, I thought about where she would have been that she came to disagree with the way things were working. And... I figured that maybe that was from her doing research and being more book oriented, like history and everything. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I basically made her like a scribe and then 
She disagreed with her father. Bam. Character. <laughs> okay. Or something. So now let me uh, let me expand this question a little bit. Ben, from your side of things, you know, we know what materials you present us with, but how do you prepare to to have that many characters in our hands as opposed to uh, in yours? Is that is there like a loss of control there or is it how does that work for you from the GM side? I guess is what I'm really trying to ask. I trust the four of you enough that honestly, I just brought popcorn. (laughs) I know that for the two people who got characters that were actually from the adventure, I gave you what the adventure said. And then also a few of my little things of, well, this is how it works in the bigger context. So that was Odir and Ko. Those are the two elders that are actually in the adventure. Brandon created an entire ritual. So, yeah, that's kind of showing like all the Cato stuff was just Brandon. Oh, yeah. I just made that up. <laughs> yeah. There was that. There was all the roots stuff, which I thought was brilliant improvising. But it was, you're right. I gave a starting and I gave a general end point. That was about all that I really could. I figured, well, I trust the four of you. You've got your endpoints that you're all trying to go for. I want to see how it works out. And then your actual characters started showing up too to <laughs> shift things. Because without the Heroes Air, Odir would definitely have won that. <laughs> Uh, if it weren't for you. So guys. now what we need to discuss is how to hyphenate a- the name. And our meddling gunge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. On a similar topic here, also a question from Rune Larson. Players, how do you prepare for each episode, if at all? How much time do you spend in doing what? I, I, I don't. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I reread notes. Like, I skim my notes from the previous session if we're going into something in the middle. But that's about it. So if I see, seem wildly inconsistent, now you know my secret. I have a running document that I uh, catalog what questions I've already asked if it's my turn to ask another player a question. Because I want to make sure that I didn't repeat anything or ask anything too similar to anything that anybody else has already asked. Hmm. And I also, in that same running document, have sort of an episode by episode what I've said in my, because I, this season did the, I was the first player to speak thing, so I had to, you know, figure out what the shtick was going to be. I just sort of update my notes. I am the kind of person that is always really scared of seeming too shaky about the rules while we're recording, so I go back over my character sheet and if I think we're about to head into a combat, I'll reread the rules of my gun because it's complicated. <laughs> yes. And then I'll make sure that I have something to drink. And if it is the temperature that it is now, a blanket to burrito in. <laughs> uh, for my part, I prepare questions in advance. I have a little... Um, little document within Cash's character sheet where I track those things and I also mark off what I've asked and that way I can also easily mark off. Uh, <laughs> that way I can easily track who I've asked questions to 
I find overall I do a lot less prep work as Kesh than I did as as Cav, probably because Cav included a lot of additional characters in the forms of, form of the droids. A lot of sundry. Yeah, or the yeah. crafting stuff, or, you know, I would generate things like, okay, what's a, what are some funny Star Wars sounding genres of music? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I just ended up creating and, and having a lot more reference material ready for that character that I do now. Okay, so now from here, we're going into some questions that are specifically towards a certain member of the cast or even to a certain character on the show itself. So first up, we have a few questions for Brandon. Hooray. Yay. In the hot seat now, son. Yeah. I'll lead off with, why is Koba traveling with these lunatics when he seems to prefer flying solo? Well, I think... I think the assumption that Koba prefers to fly solo is perhaps erroneous but how many partners have been dead around Koba? like i remember true. two so far you've okay i'm i'm sorry you i don't let anyone get close to me because they'll die oh, yeah, well right that too. that's not the same as flying solo i just don't have to make sure not to get attached <laughs> i mean the, the real Jedi. answer is that he's a character in an rpg <clears throat> <laughs> But the in-character answer is he started out more invested in this quest, basically, and just kind of accepting that the other three characters were also kind of part of this because of the Force. Though over time, as much as he may not openly admit it, he does have some caring developing for his his compatriots. The family has been found. <laughs> Might not go that far yet. Yay. So, uh, Brandon, how aware is Koba of his force powers? As far as being aware of the things he can do, pretty aware. And, and cognizant of the areas where he's developing his abilities. Copa, mm. I think, both knows a lot of things about the Force, academically anyway, as much as anybody can in this era that who isn't a Jedi, while still kind of doubting that any of it's true. But as time goes on, as he has gained more Force abilities... He's having to kind of reevaluate the things that he once thought were probably mostly myth made to con the populace or conceal corruption or something over the over the centuries in the Republic and now the Empire. Mm. He does not feel like he understands them, though. That's a definite key. That is still he wants he wants answers. Well, uh, clearly it's a gift from the scorekeeper. There you go. Answer delivered. It's not a convincing answer. <laughs> um, this question is highlighted in orange. Does that mean it's me? Y- yeah. Yes. I just, somebody okay. somebody just didn't do the text in orange. They just did a highlight instead. So, uh, okay. so it's still your question. Like, wait a minute. Is this a different system? 
No, but th- okay. this is our first in-character question. This is from uh, from Solomon, an IG droid uh, turned correspondent to Koba. Koba, how often do you hear that being a dog, you surely oughta know the great Sebulba? As if all dogs were supposed to know each other. Or perhaps you do know Sebulba? If so, feel free to elaborate on your relation for a bit, please. Sebulba. Well, at one point in time, yeah, he was about the best known Doug, in most of the rim anyway. You know, closer to the core, sometimes they would know some of the representatives of Malastare instead, but any cantina, a dive bar, or converted starfighter hangar that now hosted a bunch of, like, Jawas instead. Sebulba's the one they knew. And yeah, sometimes I'd get that thing where they're like, you look just like Sebulba, and I'm like, I really don't. All I can say is, well, best of my knowledge, Sebulba didn't exactly have a clean reputation. And once the Empire outlawed pod racing, well, even the greats faded away. It was around the same time I really started my career as an investigator. Sometimes I still keep my ear to the ground. Her word, word about Sebulba, the legend. When I get it, it's usually not good. But I listen. We definitely never met. Nobody's ever seen us in the same place at the same time. <laughs> but now, if we put you in a pod racer, look, Doug get defensive driving as a talent. Uh huh. That's that's just the way it is. Should we focus more on the defensive than the driving? I mean, look, you didn't bring me on this adventure to be your wheel man, but I will if I have to. This is Star Wars. We don't need wheels. But pod racers are not suitable for escape vehicles. At least not for four of us. Maybe one of us. Maybe just me. Have you seen some of the size of those pod racers? They get huge. We can all fit on an engine. Okay. Yeah, I, I've even heard ahead. people uh, turning, you know, the engines of them into like makeshift swoops. So you know, let's just we can make this work. Well, you, you go ahead and hang on to the engine while I'm running it, if that's what you want, Cash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm the next set of questions. So uh, yeah, why? I know this is a weird question for me to ask. <laughs> I'm totally just asking off the cuff. Uh huh. Does Cash actually travel with Hillary? Okay, so are, are you asking, I guess you're asking me, not Cash, right? That's the, that's the important thing here. Well, yes, I suppose. Okay, so, so Cash is traveling with Hillary because she genuinely enjoys his company and she's lonely. <laughs> Cash has lost a lot of friends over the years. She's had lots of time where she's been isolated or cut off from folks. And Hillary is somebody she 
she relates to to at least some extent in terms of like those like they both have strong bonds of family but also it's more complicated than that as well as she you know she also looks out for him she uh cash would like to think that she's out there in part to also protect hillary even if the events of act one have demonstrated hillary doesn't really need protecting hillary will take care of himself so yeah that's that's really what it what it boils down to okay cool cool not that i needed to know that of course what <laughs> yeah. um not in awkward robot voice this is from a master 101 christine what was your reaction when you heard the name obi-wan Okay, so I'm going to spoil a little bit of the podcast making magic. I, Christine, knew that it was Obi-Wan in the cell before the before the reveal, because Ben and I discussed it a little bit prior to the episode. <laughs> I will admit, I had my initial doubts when Ben wanted to use Obi-Wan for, for that conversation, because... You know, whenever you use like a, a movie character like that, I feel like there's like a lot more weight behind it or uh, but I will say and the the end result, that conversation turned out beautiful. It turned out way better than I ever imagined. And I feel like the fact that we that we were able to dance around the identity, not that the identity meant anything to cash, but I feel like that made it better because I, I think Ben did a great job of, of playing the right like degree of that um those trolling aspects of obi-wan with like the the ball against like bouncing against the wall and the talking and very much that certain point of view sense of logic i thought the reveal was was perfect hey christine i have a follow-up question yeah why was your first answer to this question not that is a name i have not heard in a long time (laughs) (laughs) uh because i'm continually a disappointment to you, Brandon. Okay, fair enough. Okay, just to pick a little nit here, I'm pretty sure that the only name that was given was Kenobi. He's been called a lot of names before, but it's the one he's always gotten with is Kenobi. Oh, f- fair fair enough. I think you're I think you're right. And I keep on thinking of Sam Witwer's silliness of Kenobi. The just pained exclamation of Kenobi is amazing. I gather that there's a there's a voice I should be doing. Is that correct? Uh, well, no, I I, 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 I think Ren has set the standard now. So uh, yeah. do you seem no, to copy fine. what they did? Cash, honestly, is the force to be reckoned with, or is it just convenient for reaching stuff without getting up? Well, why can't it be both? It's true. My gift is extremely powerful and has myriad of uses and isn't intended to be used lightly, but also sometimes the remote to the hollow projector is across the room <laughs> and I'm very comfortable and I don't want to get up. It's it's hard to move sometimes with these old bones. So, um, you know, the if that docks me a few points with the scorekeeper, so be it. It was worth it. Hey, Ren. Oh, dear. <laughs> Why do you not want to be the protagonist? Look. <laughs> this is the question no. on all of our minds. <laughs> <laughs> I am uncomfortable when there's too much attention on me. 
This is hard. I had an I, I had an answer in my head. We've all been at the table with that guy, right? That guy that's like, I need to be the main character. I need all the cool stuff. I need all the attention. DM, pay attention to me. And I just don't ever want to be that guy or even approach being that guy. And I, I just have such a hard time with the idea of people thinking I want that attention or... Because, like, it was not intentional that I made Skip, I don't know, protagonist material or whatever. It was an accident, I guess. And that, everyone, is a fantastic uh, example of a <laughs> refusal of the call. Oh my god! Which is a step in the hero's journey, and as we all know, Star Wars is all about the hero's journey, so we're on track. How much backstory does Skip have? Skip has... A page of bullet points, which is pretty normal for me. Skip has a lot of blank spaces in there for me to be able to improv where Skip got some random item or for me to be able to say, oh, yes, I did see that sort of thing somewhere. And here's a really awkward story about whatever. But also, I didn't want to give Skip too much because I didn't. I I wanted this to be closer to the start of Skip's adventure. Rather than have a lot of baggage, I guess. So, What does Skip think of their new Force ability? Does Skip know? Skip knows. Uh, I mean, it was pretty, pretty hard to avoid facing facts when you just made a wall of trees sprout out from Well, I meant does floor. Skip know what Skip thinks? Oh. Or, or is it oh, still I, see what, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Flurble, Skip herbal, still what? in denial. <laughs> Skip is not sure what Skip thinks. Skip had a lot to sort of mull over in talking to Markov and is excited and curious, but also there's probably a little bit of trepidation. Pretty simple. Skip is Skip is a simple, simple fella. Who will be forced into increasingly complex equations as their story develops, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, first we start going for the digital roots, then we start going for weird color combinations. Oh, good question. <laughs> Skip, what would it take for you to become the leader of this merry group? Seriously, you gotta consider this for a moment. The leader? Oh gosh, I would. <laughs> that's. I don't really think that any of us are really the leader, per se. I. I mean, I'm kind of a leader. Probably one could argue that. No, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Probably one could argue that really Hillary and Cash and Koba are all kind of co-leaders because, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're older and have a lot more life experience. But I like to think that we're all kind of just together in this thing. I don't know. Did one of them say that they were the leader? Um. I'm definitely a leader. <laughs> I was waiting for Brandon to argue with me again. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good thing to say. I always thought that Kobo was kind of the lone wolf trailing alongside, and Cash certainly thinks of herself as the leader, but I would say it does end up being about, you know, well divided between the three of us. Uh, uh-huh. And Skip trails along behind, 
avoiding making decisions lest they become the protagonist. And how did it go when I was absent for those few hours? Very oh, it well. was terrible. Thank you. We missed no, you a lot. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe these people need a leader. I don't know. Look, everybody that I've ever known that wanted to be the leader and cared about that label... (sighs) Doesn't go well, typically. Well, let's just say, what do you think happens to the leader when you walk into an ambush? Oh, crap. (laughs) I imagine it involves a puddle. Not again. Darkness. I won't let us get into an ambush. I am very observant. I know you probably all don't think that, but I think that probably... It's harder to ambush us. Maybe. Those are I don't know. good skills for a leader to have, Skip. No, I'm definitely a support class. <laughs> with a big rifle. <laughs> yeah, the leader doesn't come in with the giant gun. The leader comes in with, I don't know, maybe like a vibro rang or something. I stand in the background and I shoot things real well, but only if they deserve it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, so now we had a couple of questions for Leslie. <laughs> All right. Mr. T3A wants to know how many children does Hillary have and what are their names? <laughs> Enjoy. Well, here's the thing you've got to consider. When you come to dealing with Alina, as a species, we are very family oriented. And so while, yes, I do have my own family, I'm my, my wife Alicia and I, we led the Flying Alorix. The most recent iteration, of course, I took the title from my father. But our eldest was Manchucho, sharpshooter, extraordinaire, very gifted, Florian and Arya. And then we had Lentine and Renata, my cousin, Hime, and her husband, Cerulean, had Violet and Indigo. And they traveled with us as well. Violet and Indigo, oh, Voices like the stars, just beautiful, beautiful. And I, I would be grimace if I did not include our beloved Chatterfan assistant, Cam, who did technical things. I don't know the lighting and things. I, I wasn't allowed to touch most of it because it was very particular. But yes, Manchucho, Florian, Arya, Lentine, and Renata. Wait, so your Lorenzo friend? Or, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you gave away the, the, the punchline of what I was just going to say there. Never mind. Stop. Forget it. Rewind. Try again. Nope. Nope. We're good. I'm oh, done. But Ruined it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm seriously impressed, Leslie. Like, I, I know I, I could find the names of old Kesha's kids, but she has a lot. She has at least fewer than uh, than you've got there. So I only have five children. Okay, well, it's still one more. It still counts. And then two cousins and their kids. Yeah. And Cam, our uh, Chadrafan support class. Uh, also, Trindosian names are like one syllable, so... Well, I figured on one hand, I could go like try and look up Alina names, but he's never been to Aline. Yeah. So I kind of figure he adopted names as, as he's been moving around, you know? That's why yeah. they're all over the map. Thinking of Kesha's children, how many of Hillary's children have tried to kill him? Oddly enough, none. Oh. Well, there oh, you go, Christine. That, that, that's win. weird. You win that category. Why? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so strange. Not not typically a violent race, Alina. Um, Family. It's good stuff. We like it. Oh, Trindotian's like family, too. I'm 
for dinner. I feel like there's a difference. (laughs) What? Now, look, on the flip side, I've never tried to kill one of my children. I only killed my husband, but he had it coming. There was a ritual. It's a whole thing. Moving on. We have parties and enjoy soups and meals together. And sometimes we sleep in a nice pile. It's all very lovely. It's just like a big pile of comfort. Sounds dangerous. I don't care if it's canon or not. Alina sleep in huddles. I am into into the Alina sleep sleep pile. Yep. Hillary, as a fellow pacifist scholar, I would like to know how you feel about not relying on violence and arms in a system where who pulled first decides the fate of the world and a blaster shot not only can do lethal damage, but also open and close doors. <laughs> so, you've got to look at it this way. There is always a way to open a door. Sometimes it's with computer slicing, sometimes it's with wrenches, sometimes it's with blasters and grenades, I will admit. And sometimes it's just discussing life with this very charming guard who happens to be missing home. And sometimes they're like, you know, maybe you can just, I won't notice you going in and and just don't cause any problems. But if we're honest, it can be, it's a complicated choice. One that I hope I can continue because There's enough people who default to the blaster, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, smart people. You don't even use blasters. I I have one right here. Cold-blooded lizard. I used to. Blasters. You used to do a lot of things, Cash. (laughs) Just consider that. Hmm. Maybe it's time to try your words. All right, so now uh, we have a few questions for our beloved GM. Leslie, take it away. I'm not muted this time. (laughs) Good job. So, Mr. T, 3A, how would you have dealt with a droid PC for this season? Good going. Well, it it was kind of a a running thing we had for the last two, so. It is, but kind of like the core book itself yes droids absolutely can be a good force adjacent character but in this case it just didn't feel right to have a droid in this that's what i told my wonderful players that i still wanted to use the morality system in this as we've modified it to show off that end of it so doing something like what they've done on force majeure with Roy doesn't really fit well. And I've got no great desire to be splitting the two mechanics. Like having one run around with an obligation or duty and having three others running around with morality. That just doesn't fit. Once I jettison that idea as uh, saying I'm going to only use one mechanic, well then we're only using the morality mechanic, and that's just not fair to a droid. Especially for, like, what we discussed last episode, then the droid's just gonna skyrocket, and we've got guaranteed Paragon there. 
Mm. Or they turn into like triple zero or whatever you want. And they're this death machine just so that they're not a paragon, which again, they're great in small doses, but by gum, everything else would be so vastly different. I, it just didn't feel like the right thing to have in this season. If this was a home game and not something that's being broadcast to the world, then I'd be okay with it because it's easier to do a lot of off-the-cuff and house-ruling things when you don't have a bunch of people looking over your shoulder doing it. And especially if I'm wanting to run this pretty rules-as-written, or at least to it, as close to it as possible. At that point, yeah, just running a droid didn't feel fun. And the four players found options that they were wanting to do. Would any of you have wanted to take a droid? I wouldn't, I don't think, just because that's not the point of this game. And part of what we're doing with the whole thing is playing the game given. You know? Yeah. I I only would have done it if a if there's like a strong kind of a strong character connection, a little bit like what happened with well, Vern and Billy in series two, and even then I feel like that would I guess focusing on some of the wrong wrong things for this particular outing. Yeah, bringing a droid to a Force and Destiny game, especially one running a, a published module, is um, yeah, kind of going off book in a way that's not super helpful. I have thought a lot over time about what I think would make a droid an interesting inclusion in a Force and Destiny game. I wasn't considering playing one for this one, but I've as a GM and stuff, especially thought about what that conversation would look like if a player was like, hey, I want to make a droid for this Force and Destiny game. And I do think there's like angles that could be pretty cool. But yeah, it's you've got to do some stuff. <laughs> I mean, what the heck's a droid going to do while everyone's having a Force vision? Well, one thing that does occur to me that like, you know, if somebody wanted to be a droid in this campaign, for instance, mm-hmm. Were I running it and we were setting up at the beginning, if somebody was like, hey, I want to be a droid, potentially, like, the holocron could be a droid instead, for instance. Have kind of... Ward left this droid, this droid he had with this message. Uh, I can see that, yeah. Yeah, like, the droid wouldn't be able to do force stuff. There'd still be questions to answer there as far as, like, how to run that stuff, but, like, it's a, it's a way that the droid could still be intrinsically linked to the plot. Yeah. It also could be even handled where instead of a vision, what if they access like a layer of memories or something that word left for them? Uh, oh, yeah. Their memory yeah. could be all screwed up. Yeah, yeah. It could be could be played. That way they still have that, some of that same experience and that that connection to the party and to yeah, the plot. Well, that'd be really cool. Ren, were you ever considering a droid? Not not for this incarnation or this season. I Fair enough love droids and i want to play one at some point but i really wanted to play a little claren froggy boy so all right uh brandon next question is yours to ask uh so this is from adam ben are there any force powers you particularly dread appearing in the show because of the impact they can have on the narrative such as suppress foresee or ebb and flow those ones are actually those are my actual answers as i went looking yeah. through a list Ah, yeah, why, why do those? Foresee specifically because Ward's foresight. 
and like yes they are different powers they do actually do different things but it's one of those things of well we've got this shiny new power that is almost specifically just for this adventure both let's show it off so let's use this weirded out version of foresee that is ward's foresight that starts leading to the joke of please get someone at edge studios at the source yeah <laughs> suppress is one of those powers that i've just never there's some powers that from their inception i just don't really like and suppress is one of those that just it's so meta in how it works it feels to me that it becomes too good too quick in a very not fun way and ebb and flow if you get someone who's good at playing it it's a fun one but it again is one of those really meta ones where you're spending a force point to suffer a strain or to heal a strain if you're suffering a strain, you're inflicting strain on someone else, or then you start doing this at range, or then you start, as people start getting more and more strain on them, start affecting their dice rolls, which, again, it just, it feels like an end run around the system. At least to me, that's how it kind of feels. Those are the three that I dread anyone going for. Well, for C... There's a reason outside of, like, I'm wanting to showcase Ward's foresight, and that actually was a discussion that we had early on. The other two haven't really come up until now, because, well, no one's really been looking at them, but the honest answer is, yeah, Suppress and Ebb and Flow are ones that just, they feel so meta. Yeah, I wouldn't take either of those, because I don't know that I would have fun with them and in the same way that like something like enhance and jumping around a room or sensing somebody's emotions or being thoroughly ridiculous a move as i've been have been have been fun like just shutting down like an enemy force users force powers i i just that doesn't strike me as interesting yeah suppress suppress is one of those ones where it's like there's a high probability that you spend xp that you just don't use often yeah. Yeah. And that that that's not fun and like ebb and flows like strain juggling mechanics. I also like it it's very yeah, it's very very crunchy. Um so the only one of those I would have considered would would have been 4C, but we had Matu in series 1 and we had that conversation up front, hence me taking Ward's foresight instead of something like 4C, which I quite like as a force power, but um you know we had that want to play with some different yeah with pretty much of uh, if it wasn't for ward's foresight if we were doing ghost of death and i think the other one is uh we you would have taken foresee at like the get-go yeah foresee is a great power it truly is it's just we're showing off this and ward's foresight especially once you start getting into the upgraded stuff the overlap is most certainly there yeah otherwise like yeah the rest of the powers i kind of love even some of the weirder ones like endure is kind of cool it's situation but i forget mm. everything that goes on like even manipulate i love manipulate it's again kind of situational you have to have a very mechanical like 
actual electronics mechanical style campaign. Yeah. So this one probably is not going to be great for the players to take it, but yeah, like imbue or conjure, those would be cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And powers like manipulate, like they can, they can fit in campaigns. Also, like this is how I feel about suppress. Also, actually, I, I wouldn't generally take suppress for a force and destiny game like this that plays the sort of default assumption of being during the age of the empire but if it were a like probably not even a clone wars game because there's not a lot of force users on the confederate side but if it was like a kotor game or something yeah where it's like we're playing in an era where it's jedi versus sith and there's a lot of force users running around things like suppress become more interesting to me as a tactical decision and likewise, things like manipulate become interesting if we know that we're going into a situation where that would be another time, like like a Clone Wars game or a KOTOR game or something, where it's like your your force users that are attached to a military force that also has these Star Warsy things, these vehicles Absolutely. and starships and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I guess my actual dislike of Ebb and Flow is that it's so numbers heavy that I look at it and it's like. This actually does feel kind of cool. Like, it's very thematic and does all that. Like, it takes a lot of boxes for me, but there's so much math behind it, so much work behind it, that I just don't want to use it. Yeah. I just don't want to deal with it. Yeah. Suppress, yeah, you're going up against, what, two, maybe three Force users in this adventure? I cannot remember how many is in Act 3. Then we start messing around with dice, and it's like, yeah, I definitely see where it could be useful, but at least in this one, just, yeah, yeah, no. So I'm going to ask this last question from Rune, and then we'll figure out how we're going to do lightning round this time around. Okay, then we had Mm -hmm. one more question from Rune Larson uh, via email, and uh, to Ben. How often do you truly get surprised about the player's actions slash decisions and need to take time before proceeding? Okay, those I want to separate that into two, the two different aspects of it. Okay. Because uh, I get truly surprised about three times per act by the players. Like, there's always a character moment that just I was not thinking of and we need to deal with this. And the players bring this up, and yes, absolutely. Or there's a plan that I hadn't considered coming in from that direction. Yes, let's totally do that. Mm -hmm. I try and be as open to whatever the players are wanting to do. The thing that surprised me the most for Act 1 was in Episode 11. We had... Skip talking to the holocron. Like, that was a complete Ren thought. This is something that Skip needs to do. And it totally was. A hundred percent. That something just floored me. As, well, okay, yeah. I had never considered this. This is great. The aspect of need to take some time before proceeding, that... That honestly is a question that I'd have to leave up to the four of you because I don't I don't remember 
completely getting utterly gobsmacked more than once this season. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure if you go through the season and go to the outtakes, you can find someone saying, oh, no, we've broken Ben. But because <laughs> that is hilarious outtakes. But yeah, that happened once, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because several times it'll be, I'm just thinking how I'm wanting to proceed so that I'm not steamrolling people. But yes, we could have Markov with eight guardians. Well, how is that going to be fun? Mm-hmm. We've not battle tested the heroes yet. Well, let's see. I can always call in more unless some silly person bars the door and convinces everyone else to leave. Huh. Not it. I don't know what you're talking about. I only got one door closed. But did another one open? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. It didn't need to. The other one was already open. (laughs) I've only got short, stubby legs. Just promise me you'll give Faith a fighting chance. Is it Faith? Is it Faith? I don't know the words, do I? Never mind. Lightning round. <laughs> uh, you, didn't, you didn't say it right, Brandon. The lightning round. Ka-chow. Thank you. Thank you. So this lightning round is in part by the listeners uh, to just the, the various uh, heroes. And then because Brandon couldn't resist, Brandon threw a whole bunch in at the end. <laughs> yeah, that's the point of the lightning round, and I and I hope everybody honor system and didn't didn't. I didn't nope, realize they I were down not. there, so I did not. I, I only I noticed it because I noticed Brandon was signed in early, and I immediately went. <laughs> Brandon's adding to the lightning round, and I just I just looked and saw Brandon was down at the bottom of the document, and I went on with my life from there. Yeah, <laughs> no, I just I typed with black text on a black highlighter and just trusted that my fingers were doing the correct things. <laughs> okay, well, well, we well Brandon will we'll ask the, those last few for sure. So um, for everything else, though, how do we want to handle asking? Do we want to rotate? Do we just want me to ask? Um, how do we want to do I this? I thought Ren was tagged in for this lightning round. Yeah, I thought so, too. I'm sorry, what? It's a conversation we had like months ago where uh, okay, we were talking so about I, lightning rounds. And I'm like, I okay, think, as long as Ren does it. Yep, I think you're tagged in then, Ren. So uh, so you're yeah, going to be really one reading the questions, oh, and, which yeah. means no. you also need to assign uh, who who you were asking most of them to. Because uh, unless they have Pick a name at victims. the front, they haven't been aimed at anybody. They were just asked via the Discord. And if this is it's a problem, you don't have to so do it. Poorly. <laughs> if it's too much pressure, I can still do it. If you want to do it, please, please go right ahead. Okay. I don't know I'll, if my energy level is... I mean, I I'm just glad I'm not the tonight. only one that remembered that we had that conversation. Okay, uh, I'll, I can... It wasn't a fever dream. <laughs> well, Christine, the conversation. first question's to you, so somebody has to start that's not you. Oh, that's please. awkward, yeah. <laughs> Christine, ask yourself. <laughs> uh, Christine, Christine, does Cash always tell exactly the same story as to their acquisition of a mechanical arm? No. Ooh. Brandon, will we have a noir special episode centered around Koba's past life with the other characters taking the roles of important characters in this story? You're breaking up a ton, so I couldn't really hear you say it, but I see the question, so I'm going to answer it as if I could. <laughs> Maybe. It's not really my decision, ultimately. I wouldn't say no if other people were into it. So the answer is yes. 
Okay, so, so the answer is yes. Rin, what would Skip not have in their bag slash pockets? Hand sanitizer. <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad for amphibian skin. No, you're oh, right. That tracks. Makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. It's just, just also funny. What I was expecting. Uh, beach episode. Leslie, who goes in the water first? Um, Skip? Yeah, hi. Amphibian. <laughs> Ren, who has the hello porgy towel? Um, <laughs> Skip. <laughs> I would have also accepted Hillary. Uh, Brandon, who goes mumbling about sand first? I don't know, do amphibians like sand? <laughs> Does anybody? I mean, nobody Ca- likes Cash sand. Must, Cash must like sand. Yeah, true. No, it's coarse and it gets everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Koba, I guess. Uh, Leslie, who cooks for everyone? Um, well, I expect they're all tired of soup when Hillary cooks, so I'm actually going to say skip again. Uh, Ren, Good who luck. would fish? Uh, Kesh. Kesh. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, Skip would probably fish, but like underwater with their mouth, maybe. Kesh, <laughs> what's your caverns and crate dragons character? My my what? What what? It, it, it's is this a game? I have to. Um, I I don't know some kind of uh some kind of warrior. Yes, a, a great. A great warrior is. Are, are there blasters in this? No. Oh no. Now I'm disappointed. Oh, but you could have a sword. I do like you swords. Could have a mace. Eh. Oh. <laughs> I always thought you were more of a blunt force myself, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why did we let Koba DM? Uh, I I think because he, he already owned the books. Don't look at me. He had this this very elaborate plot and this like three ring binder. It was like a hundred pages thick. He just seemed very well, maybe not enthusiastic, but prepared. I do have to question why Darth Plagius is always the villain, though. Look, <laughs> there's justification. <laughs> you just haven't gotten to that part of the story yet. Anyway. All of you are in a tavern. <laughs> the firelight flickers around the the wooden uh, bar. Damn it. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the firelight flickers around the bar and the handful of other patrons, but the shadows hold many secrets. They I make kill you that. think. <laughs> you can't kill the shadows, Kench. Sure I can. No, you, no, You're the one who's you always saying, who knows what dangers lurk in the shadows. Well, I'm going to kill them. <sighs> what if I cast light? No, you're no. ruining it. Yeah. Look, they're not, they're not like, shadows are, uh, the shadows aren't full of enemies. They're full of, like, regrets. I slay them. <laughs> oh, if they have regrets, then, then we should talk to them and figure out if we can help them, you know, make their regrets not regrets anymore. Less regrettable, would you say? Look, I think you two are missing the point of this game. Yeah, this is lightning round. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ben, how do you like your Bantha Burger? With a nice slice of mellow run and a little bit of biscuit baron sauce. Mmm. Mmm, nice. 
Kobo, what is the airspeed velocity of a Bava fruit laden keto? 91 MGLTs. <laughs> Seriously, faster than uh, X Wing? Huh. Not in the old X Wing games, anyway. X Wings went 100. Oh, 91 right. was the B Wing speed. Yeah. So faster than B Wings. Oh, uh, nerds. <laughs> I knew people hated on the B Wings for a reason. It's because Akito could keep up with them. Yeah. Look, you know, I love the B Wing. I like the B Wing, too. I mean, I have nothing against it. I just. Hey, Christine, what was your pet peeve? Uh, I think these are more meant to be aimed at the characters. Sure. Cash, what's your pet peeve? Uh, Hillary. Koba. <laughs> Long-winded dugs. No. Um, Ooh. <laughs> no, I'm just being, I'm being mean. Uh, people who don't tip. Uh. Hey, Cash, stay in school. <laughs> hey Koba, why are you so fixated on Darth Pla- Plagueis? Plages? I don't know. You worded it on that board. <laughs> uh, clearly, the board doesn't make it clear, but everything leads back to Darth Plagueis. The Gunkin. I mean, that's what the string <laughs> says. That's for sure. There is a hidden variable to the galaxy. A lot of th- things that look unconnected, but when you when you realize that there is a connection, and you just don't know the shape of the connection. The only shape that makes sense is Darth Plagueis. Are they hidden in the shadows? Can we step there? Oh, because the I shadows have them. secrets and, and regrets. regrets. <laughs> yes! <laughs> High five! Okay. Hillary, immediate 10 die 6 lightning bolt. No saving throw. <laughs> <laughs> I, have a, I have a feat that lets me take half damage on a dodge. No, you have two feet, Hillary. Uh, feet with an A. Skip, feet with an A. It's all right, Hillary. I'll avenge you. Well, I'll just go join the shadows then, I guess. I, I, no, this, no this, regrets. This, this both makes me want to do a Caverns and Create Dragons with the, this group. <laughs> and also, I feel like we just did. We just, we just we just did what the whole episode would be about. <laughs> and that's the thing, we, just, we wouldn't know, we, actually we make characters hits. or roll any dice or anything. We would just riff until we decided it was time to stop. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Leslie, best game time drink or snack? Now. Now? What? <laughs> It's the best time to take the drink and the snack. Of course, I, it's totally a valid answer. Okay, I actually fair already enough. finished my snack, so. What was it? I'll have his cold tea. Hmm. Ben, what's your favorite species from the Star Wars? Herglick. I mean, I really knew that, so I probably shouldn't have asked you, but they're awesome. Yes, yes, they are. Brandon, if the group were a starfighter squadron, what would their name be? Albatross Squadron. <laughs> it's kind of fitting. Albatross. Yeah, I, I I like it. All right, this is a new new team name. Yeah. Then, right, then, then the rest dies, are Brandon's task. Then yeah, so, they just bring down the rest. Yeah, that totally o- works. OG, OG lightning round. <laughs> Meaning, they're questions that I came up with <clears throat> immediately prior to recording. Mm. The best yeah, kind. But how the heck can you see them? Uh, I have my ways. Sure, sure. <laughs> Christine, when Cash falls to the dark side, what will her Sith name be? Uh, Darth, uh, 
Skeletalius. I don't know. Skeletalius. Okay. <laughs> Rin, what sound does Gudge make actually, and why is it work? Quack. Quack. <laughs> I am slain. That was a good answer. <laughs> Leslie, if all of your Hydean Way characters so far played Sabak, but Billy is not allowed to be the dealer, who would win? <laughs> It would still be Billy. Fair enough. Fair. Ben, if you found yourself on the opposite side of the GM screen this season, what species slash character would you play? Or career, rather, would you play? Mm, career. Uh, mm. I assume Herglick is the answer to the species part. Of the- <laughs> uh, considering the... Unof- or, no, one of the official rules is has to be an officially FFG species. It would be a dual ton. And it would be... Uh, consular armor, I think, is the mix. Ooh. Red. I like the armor. Yeah, that's a that's a solid, that's a cool one. I know nothing. I will look it up in the near future. Uh, this is for everybody. So you slept in on the day they were handing out lightsabers, and by the time you got to where they were handing out lightsabers, they were out of the saber kind or any sword kind, really. Fortunately, they have a variety of different weapons with light prepended to the name. What light weapon do you choose? <laughs> nunchucks. Light nunchucks, uh, solid. Light whip. Good, yeah, oldie but goodie. I wanted a light whip too, but you know what? <laughs> um, a light flail. No, I, I felt like whip was appropriate for a performer, but I think uh, I'll go yeah. with um, Tonfa. I like the defensive quality. I would like a lighter ring. (laughs) Oh, come on! (laughs) Was that that all set up just for that joke? (laughs) No. Okay. No, he just really wants a lighter ring. Uh, Considering the last two people took my two answers, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay, you can can have lighter ring. I'll take uh, uh, light warhammer. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Then L- yeah, I totally go with a light axe. You keep your light light heavy flail. I'll keep oh my, my light God. axe. Can you imagine a spiked, a light mace? It's just got lightsaber <laughs> things sticking yeah. out of it I, everywhere. I, I think that's <laughs> cheating. That no, that sounds that sounds fine. There's yeah. nothing in the uh, rules that says a dog no, can't now, play basketball. Now I want now I want a trident and a light net. Yes. <laughs> so the light trident is actually a thing. Yeah. No, I didn't say no. A regular trident with a good stabby end and a oh, light trident or a light net. Oh, throw the light net. Oh, a light net. Stab. <laughs> Interesting. So a trident mm. net fighter. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Finally, a softball. If your character was a metal cover of a Disney song, what song would they be? <laughs> oh no! Why? Is, why mm. would you say this is a softball? Trashing I mean, the camp is, from Tarzan. <laughs> Man, now I need to go to YouTube and find out if there's a metal cover of Trash in the Camp. There probably is. There's a metal cover of just about everything from Disney Disney movies. Somebody who knows Disney songs better help. I get nothing. Hmm. I am trying to to look here real quick. What's your favorite Disney movie? Uh, It was Mulan. um, But I don't think there's a good cash one there. I mean, I don't know if you if you want an identity story that reflection comes there. Metal, yeah. metal cover of reflection. 
Um, no, no, I think Cash Cash would be let it go. <laughs> I've never even seen that movie. You don't need to. Yeah, I mean, man. I mean, I've heard this song. I mean, it's kind of hard not to have at this point. You know, kind of like not hearing, you know, Toss a Coin to Your Witcher. Um, hey, to be fair, I just heard that for the first time tonight. Yeah, okay. me too. Officially. <laughs> and now it's stuck in my head. <sighs> All right, yeah, it, it does that. Look, okay, so I wanted <laughs> to find something in my brain about adventure or exploration or something. But then I knew I could really kind of troll you all if I said Jody Hero. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I'm on board. That's I'm great. I'm so on board for that. And Kobas? Oh man, you know I failed to actually come up with my own answer to this question, which is <laughs> maybe an error in judgment. It is. And how? You had to know the mirror would come. Is there a conspiracy one? Yeah, I'm trying to think of if there's one that's um. I don't know. I think it's probably a metal cover of uh, Bells of Notre Dame. Just Ooh. run together. Ooh. Mm. I'm sorry. I was just thinking of a metal cover of Oodalale. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, Ooh, I like that. It would be I not a Nottingham. Yeah, think about fun. how depressing that song is. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's oh, not bad yeah. either. It was only be not on Malastare. I, I want Oodalale now. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Not on Malastare. I don't know. I, oh, I do like rallying goodness. through talking about like what evils lurk in the hearts of men and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. GM wise, I just like poor unfortunate souls. <laughs> oh, no, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, no, that, 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 especially with the Force and Destiny context. Yep. Yeah. There is a great metal cover of that. Is there? I have no doubt. That I, I listen to rather frequently. The magic of the internet. I just yeah, thought I, that trashing the camp was like I, I, I forgot his name. That I've ever there's, heard a metal a, cover of a Disney song before. There's a okay. guy. I will find, oh, I will find him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an entire section of YouTube. Like that's. Yeah. I, there are plural numbers of metal covers of most Disney songs, and they are okay, often okay. amazing. Especially every metal cover of Hellfire. Every metal cover cover of Hellfire. Oh, that makes sense. I don't even yeah. know what that Hellfire. That makes so much like, sense. From the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, it's, it's the, the villain. villain song. I don't know and that I've ever amazing. seen that one. Sweetie. Yeah. You still have to come over and watch more movies, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when's the last time we did that? I can make you popcorn. Thank you for listening to this episode of Heroes of the Hydean Way. You can find show updates on Twitter at the Hydean Way, and you can find me Ben on Twitter at Deuterium Ice. Hey, I'm Ren. You can find me on Twitter at Atomic Firebird or on Make Believe Info. You can find me on Twitter at Twelfth Night. That's one two T H and Night with a K. I am at Leslet G S S S. Dramatic Echo. And I'm okay. at Blue of the Kin. Or if you want to check out my Star Trek actual play, where Christine is also around. At Endeavor Show. You might not know it, but you do want to check that out. Yeah. Super do. Quality. We are all at theheidianway.com, where you can find previous episodes. You can find more of those aforementioned previous episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Plus, you could really help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. We're also on Facebook as The Heidian Way. You can holocom us at heroes at theheidianway.com. 
If you like what we do and want to support the show, reach out to us on patreon.com slash the Heidian way. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was trying to, I was searching for a joke or something else to say besides toss a crud. Give it back to the calf. Yeah, or you can buy us a calf at ko-fi.com slash the Heidian way.